You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org. Uh, which is, we're going to turn to a scripture in Acts. But before you do that, would you meet somebody you don't know? Take this opportunity and introduce yourself. Take a second go.
we move and this entire life where I look back and see like this moment of my childhood as like the golden years of their childhood. Like I look back, it's under ages well, look back and have really fond memories of a particular time in your childhood. And I look back at this time as a really fond memories about like I would consider it maybe the golden age of my childhood. Really good days looking back and great memories. Um, but there were some things. I think my parents were really tight on money during those days. We had just moved from the government housing to uh, a house, and we were really tight on money. And so I thought it was awesome as a kid that we ate mac and cheese and hot dogs like three or four times a week. I just thought, that's awesome. Um, but looking back, it's like, well, that's a pretty cheap meal. It's a pretty thrifty meal for a family. I loved it that me and my dad would go out in the woods and like collect firewood and then bring it back. We had a wood-burning stove, and that's how we would heat our house. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was fun. Turns out we did that because to save on the electricity bill. Um, I loved it that we went fishing like all the time um, and got fish and then would, would eat those fish. I loved it. I just thought it was awesome. But of course, we did that to kind of save money and like do, doing something fun that in turn gives us some delicious dinner. Um, so we would do things like that. As a kid, I just have fond memories of it. I would call it the golden years of my childhood. But of course, not everything that glitters is gold, as the saying says. And I looked up the history of that thing, and it goes back to like Aesop and Chaucer and Shakespeare, and I'm not really sure exactly where it came from. But we know the saying, not all that glitters is gold. And so if I just thought, oh, that was a perfect time in my life where everything was perfect, well, it turns out we were, we were pretty scrapped for cash. Uh, we were probably poor. I remember as a kid getting, uh, did anybody else get free lunch as a kid? Because <laughs> it was like the couple days. I, mean, I did too. Um, so I think things, things were pretty tight in your family as, as a kid. You got free lunch. And so looking back, there was financial stress, but, but I saw it as, like, I look back now, it's like my parents had lemons and they made lemonade out of that situation. But looking back, like, not all that glitters is gold. Here's, Gold, um, it's like gold has to be separated, um, literally, from its the, the, the sediments and other things that it, it, it uh, collects to. I'm not a gold miner, obviously. Um, but the gist of it is, like, all that glitters is not gold. And when we talk about the early church, um, we're going to kind of demystify it today. Because there's these things that maybe us as Christians look back and like, oh, we need to do things like the early church. I hear that sometimes. Like, oh, well, our church is better because it's, it's modeled after the early church. And a new life doesn't model after the early church, so it's a dumb church. Well, listen, the, the early church had its problems too. If you, think, if you consider that as like the golden age, well, not all the winners is gold. And so we're going to talk about some specific things in the first church, the early church this morning. So... Welcome to the Mill Sunday School. We're glad that you're here. Uh, as far as announcements go, um, as far as announcements go, if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, there's little uh, sheets on your table if you want to fill one out and bring it uh, as you leave the back. We got like a little piece of baggie to give to you. Um, it's got like a small folder and it'll help you give you some information about the mill that meets on Friday night. That's our main meeting for college of 20 somethings. Um, as far as other announcements go, um, we are doing baptisms at the second service at Big Church. So if you're wanting or thinking about getting baptized, 
right after church today, go to the, uh, the AC Activity Center in the, okay. the main building, and um, there's an outside world class opportunity to get baptized. Anybody else? I saw a couple people bring my Christmas. Anybody? Yes, sweet. So there's a couple people. Awesome getting baptized. And finally, just as uh, some of you have kids, and I know that new life is kind of changing into like you can only check your kids in for one service, and so if you bring your kids, that is totally cool. They can scream the whole time. It will not affect me at all because at home I have two screaming kids, and so I'm just like zone. So, anyways, so November church history. We're going to talk about um, the first church. Um, and, and last time I gave you the siren to get the book, which was a total nerd alert. Do your best siren for the nerd alert siren. Anyways, for all of you that did get this book, I'm going to give you lots of assignments. It's a total, you don't have to get this book, but if you did, I'm going to give you assignments. If you did get, the, get this book, raise your hand. We're going to give you stickers. There's some leaders. Walking and Sean and Jordan have stickers. And so get their attention. You get a sticker. I was like, a I love Sunday school sticker. I'm like, no, no, no. You can stick it out of your water bottle. You can pay a of people that did not get this is very bad day um, for me. I don't have patience for this guy. How did that work? So, like just, anyways, uh, they're, they're, all they did was like sit down and talk and like, no, no, no. Uh, you can <laughs> Is anyone sitting in the back there? No. You can read into chapter 4, which is where we're going to go next week. Martyrdom, and there's this really cool, um, uh, on page 43, There's uh, it talks about how Caesar is Lord, and how as Christians we can say Jesus is Lord. That was the saying in the, in the first century was Caesar is Lord. It's a really cool article, so for extra, extra credit, you can go on to chapter 4 and read that little section on Caesar is Lord. It's fascinating. We'll talk about that next week. So, anyways, nerd alert over. Uh, let's talk about the golden age of church history. I think these fond memories, uh, as we read the text of Scripture, that we have about the early church. And specifically, there's two passages that many Christians quote as, like, this is what church should look like. Acts 2 and Acts 4 has these passages of, like, the early church having all this stuff in common and being like a super church in the first century. Acts 2, 42 through uh, 46 is what we already read this morning. And then Acts 4, uh, starting in verse like 32, it just kind of says like all the believers were of one heart and mind and they had everything in common. Verse 34, um, no one was in need among them. And it, it goes on to say that you know, if someone had a land or a house, they would sell it and get all that money and then bring it and sell it at the apostles' feet. So there was no need amongst these early Christians. A pretty cool time. You look back and you're like, wow, and everything in common, they lived in community. Pretty awesome time. But there were some problems with the golden age of church history, at least calling it out. When I think of like the golden age, I think, oh, everything was perfect. Everything was wonderful. And really, not so. There were some problems. In the early church. Um, and so if you're describing this golden age of church as like this time of perfection, which we should all model ourselves after when we gather as a church body, well, maybe not so fast. There were some problems. So I want to give this to you to 
put on your nerve thinking apps really quick. You view a discussion question instead of just telling you um, some things that were uh, wrong with the early church or some problems that they had. I want you to think about it. I think Book of Acts, think uh, letters of Paul to these early churches. What were some of the problems in the early church? So turn to your table and ask this question. What were the problems with this, I put in quotations, this golden age of the church? So think about it, maybe list some on your, if you, if you have notes, maybe assign someone to be a scribe and list under problems with the golden age, list some of the things that the early church did not with. Ready to set, go
right. Um, distorting the gospel, freedom, sexual immorality, mis yeah. misuse of spiritual gifts, um, roles of females in the church, yeah. legalism, and lawsuits among yeah, good. All those things listed in some of the letters, like Paul slams these early churches for their problems. Yes, there's virgins. So he said a lot of the same things he did, but division between Jews and Gentiles, um, Jews being unable to let go of religious law and knowing that they're saved by grace. Um, they had no written canon to reference, everything was done by others. Yeah, no Bible gaps. Like, as far as most the Bible was being written, Yet they didn't have, and that's huge. Think about like, who work? I mean, we just like, well, read your Bible every day. And they'd be like, well, we have the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Gentiles would mix their former pagan rituals with Christian rituals. There's a lot of intermediary. Um, lack of organization and leadership. Women were considered less than men and strong persecution.
to, to operate over the, the daily distribution of food. So supposedly, if it really was this golden age of church where everything was perfect, well then why in chapter 6 are, it says that, uh, Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 6, um, at this time there were disciples increasing in number, and a complaint arose amongst the Hellenistic Jews, um, and if you want to, if you have the book in your very, uh, page 18, it's like a two-page article about who the Hellenistic Jews were, basically like Orthodox Jews, um, so you can read about that, but the, it says the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So, like, we have a lot of problems in new life, for sure, but at least, like, like if we have a food drive, we're not like, oh, you're this type of widow, you can't get food today, see ya. It's like, no, at least there's some sort of, anyway, so the early church had their problems. You know, supposedly they had everything in common, there's like this perfect, wonderful thing. Not so fast, man, nice and fire, not so fast. Widows, you know, the least of these, people that can't uh, provide for themselves being left out of the daily distribution of food, like starving to death. Um, and then we, we move on, Jesse, uh, I mean, Jordan Burke talked about the Corinthians. Uh, Paul slams the Corinthian church in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, for when they got together uh, and met for communion, um, some of them would go ahead and get drunk and eat all the food up, and then other people would show up for communion, and there wouldn't be any food left because these goobers came early and like drank all the wine. It's like, well, we have a lot of problems in new life, but hopefully when we gather for communion, there isn't that. You know, like we might have other problems, but the early church is not without its problems. So I have, I have this statement that the early church style and characteristics, you know, if there is some good, there's some greatness of the early church. Um, and, but their style and characteristics. I have this phrase, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. If you're taking notes, I believe I put that little phrase in the notes. So that's what it means. Like it's it's describing the early church, not prescribing it for all times. I think it's describing a group of people that were set apart, uh, totally against the, the community of the day, and, and the Romans wanted to kill the early Christians. So of course it's safer to live together. Of course it's safer. Um, we have better survival rates. We hold all things in common. And that was the description of the early church, not a prescription for all times. And I mention this because um, in some ways I'm going to pick on that group uh, of people. There's quite a few groups of Christians that, that are like, well, if you're not doing it like the early church, then you're not doing it right. So they would look at new life and be like, well, the early church didn't have these bigger gatherings and buildings. They didn't have whatever, you know, flags around the building. They didn't have bacon donuts, so you shouldn't have bacon donuts. You shouldn't have coffee. The early church didn't have coffee, so you shouldn't have coffee. I don't know. Things like that. I hear that from groups of people that are like trying to slam another church on its style and is resting on this, this idea that, oh, the early church had it all right. They were the golden age. They were the perfect ones. Not so fast. They had their problems. And I would say it's more of a description than a prescription of what church has to look like. So I'm going to hopefully pick on a group, and not like a mean pick on, but um, uh, respectfully talk about the differences between ourselves and another group. Because I'm pretty familiar, um, not, not overly familiar, but I live in Manitou, and there's this, this group, a community of people that live in Manitou. They have a little shop called the Monte Factor Coffee. Yeah! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> 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 
Um, so there's this, this, this community that has this coffee shop, and the coffee shop's actually pretty sweet. Uh, it's all the, the 12 tribes and community of Israel. And it's, it's not just a coffee shop, it is a good coffee shop, by the way. Um, but they, they have, it's, it's a religion. Church history, you have to say 
that all the early Christians, with very, very few exceptions, were all Jewish. All the disciples were Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. All the early believers were Jewish. Um, potentially, without exception, the first Gentile, if you know what a Gentile is, it just means non-Jewish, the first Gentile believer that joined the church was probably Cornelius. You can look back and assume some things or make some arguments for other people. But for sure, um, most people, early church historians would agree from the text of Scripture, the book of Acts, and the Gospels, that Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, maybe 10 years after Jesus' ministry, was the first Gentile, the first non-Jewish uh, believer that converted to this new way of Christianity. And Peter uh, witnesses to them, they start speaking in tongues, and the Holy Spirit descends on them, and Peter says something crazy. He says, wow, even the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Gentiles. He can't believe it. He's like, wow, this promise, this Christian life, the church is even opened up for non-Jewish people, for Gentiles even. Wow, these people who are unclean, they eat bacon and shrimp and donuts. They, they don't ceremonially clean themselves. They're a dirty, non-Jewish people. They can even be Christians, which is probably 98% of us are more. If you're not from a Jewish line, you can be a Gentile. So, how much, how Jewish did the early Christians have to be? This is a huge discussion point for the early church. That's why I put this picture as our picture for the, for the notes, the cross inside of the Star of David. How Jewish did the early Christians need to be? And if you look at your Bible, like if you have a Bible there, look how thick the Old Testament is, and how many prescriptions for life there is in the context of the Old Testament. There's prescriptions to you know, eat certain foods and not others. There's prescriptions to, you know, if someone does a sin, these are the consequences for that sin. If someone commits adultery, you stone them, you kill them. Um, it's like, do we need to do that? Do we need to not eat bacon? Do we need to not eat shrimp? Uh, do we need to, um, like, we have a sore on our body, go to the high priest and make sacrifices to the temple. Like, how Jewish do we need to be as early Christians? And some, I think two people mentioned this thing of circumcision. And the, and the early church has to deal with this ancient symbol that goes back all the way to like Genesis 17, this promise given to Abraham. Even before um, the law was this intention of God, like you're going to be one of us. If you're going to be a people of God, you have to get circumcised. If you don't know what circumcision is, I have a quick video tutorial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't realize that most of you probably don't know what that is. Yeah! I'll ask somebody else later. Um, and I won't show you a video tutorial of circumcision. Anyway. Now that I got your attention, um, it's a huge, it was a huge part of the early church. If you think about the Old Testament, all these prescriptions for how life should be. And, and so the, the gospel goes out into these places where there's Gentiles, there's non-Jewish. Do they first need to convert to Judaism to know Christ? Or can they just convert to Christ and not have to follow the rules, laws, prescriptions of the Old Testament? Do they not have to get circumcised? Do they not have to eat these certain restrictions like the Jews do even to today? Um, and so there was a council, if you read in the book of Acts, um, a very big deal. I was tearing the church apart, so the early church, all the apostles that were alive, met in 
Jerusalem, the James was there, Peter was there, Paul was there, a bunch of people were there to decide on how Jewish people need to be in order to be a new Christian. And they decide, you don't have to be Jewish at all. In fact, they, they come up with a very small list of things. If, if someone, a Gentile, wants to be saved to follow Jesus, they should abstain from things condemned by idols, they should abstain from fornication, sexual sin, they should abstain from like meat, from strangled animals that have been dedicated to idols, and they should they should remain free from food, any kind of food contaminated uh, by the, like the blood worship of idols. You can read about that in Acts chapter 15. So it's all these it's like the whole Old Testament is is summarized into these four small rules: like don't eat food sacrificed to any kind of idol worship, and don't. Um, have fornication, sexual immorality among them. That's pretty much it. And then Paul would even go on later and talk to the Corinthians. Uh, if you want the reference, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 25. And Paul says, eat the meat that you buy in the market without asking questions. And so just eat it. If, if you don't know that it's been sacrificed to an idol, that's okay. Just eat it. But if you find out, it goes on, if you find out that it has been, well then for your conscience and the sake of the Christian, other Christians don't eat the meat that's been sacrificed to idols, but it's okay if you don't know to eat the sacrificed meat to idols, because everything says that the earth is the Lord's and all that it, it contains. And so it's this weird idea, I think, if you, you know, we as Christians in 2013 look back at the early church and are like, oh, they were so silly, they were, they were having these debates about circumcision and meat sacrificed to idols, those silly gooses, we don't struggle with that, they're just you know, goobers in the first century that had to work with those issues. But I would say we have our own issues in 2013, these issues of style and, and characteristics of what the church should look like, that maybe sometimes we get really upset with, and we freak out about um, things of style, and we, we are not keeping the main thing the main thing. So one more example, then we'll get to that idea. Um, this is a picture of Rick Rams, uh, two men arguing and usually uh, art historians are like, what this is representing is Paul arguing with Peter. Did you know that they had a pretty big uh, fight one time? Um, and Paul writes about it. We have Galatians chapter 2. It's kind of an obscure passage. Galatians chapter 2, about halfway through, verse 11, says that when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Everybody say, oh, And it's like, like, wait, both of these guys, like Peter and Paul, they were, they're both Bible authors. They're both apostles. And here they were arguing and disagreeing about something. And what are they going to argue and disagree about? Well, the thing to them that was the biggest deal, the, this idea of circumcision and eating together and, and, and should you, how Jewish do you need to be to be a Christian? Pillage the early church's thought of theology. And so he says this, it says, uh, Peter, let's see, uh, basically it goes on to say, Peter eats, he doesn't eat, he eats with Gentiles, but then when Jewish people shows up, he pretends like he doesn't eat with Gentiles. Um, and, and Paul says this, if you being a Jew, Peter was a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? You need to read that again. It's Galatians 2, uh, 14. But the gist of it is that Peter was pretending like the Gentiles needed to be Jewish. And when, he, when there was Jews around, he would pretend to be a good Jew. But then the, when there was just Gentiles around, he'd be like, oh, all those Jewish laws, we don't need to follow those. And he'd be like, eat shrimp and bacon and be like, high five with people. Um, and then like a good Jew would come in and be like, oh, we don't need this stuff. 
and he wouldn't idolize Gentiles and still touch unclean Gentiles. But then the, the Jews would leave and he'd eat those shrimps and bathe them. That's my interpretation. Do you, do you anyways. And Paul calls him out on it. He's like, you are acting one way and then acting another way around different people. Stop it. None of us need to follow these Old Testament rules and, and, and laws and sacrifices and the celebrations of the feasts. They are all part of this Old Covenant. And the New Covenant has come. Jesus has come. And now there's a bigger main thing. So the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Have you heard that quote? It's like a Stephen Covey quote. It's kind of cheesy, but it, it makes some sense. The, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I think we as Christians can work on that. We as Christians today, um, putting ourselves in the first century's shoes, there was issues, so, so let me say it this way. We can look back 2,000 years ago and say, oh, that early church, they were a bunch of goobers because they struggled with circumcision, not eating these different foods, and they struggled uh, with this and that, and, and those are issues we don't struggle with, so we're so much better than them. Well, not so fast, and, and the idea that we're so much better than them. We have our own struggles. We have our own things of style and characteristics that I think many of us, including me as a pastor, uh, think about, like, oh, this style is better than this style. If you, you and your church are this style, then you guys are not doing it right. We're doing it right at New Life because, you know, we do it this way, this way, this way, but you're doing it wrong because you do this and that and the other thing. It's like, those are issues of style. We as Christians need to keep the main thing the main thing. And so to compare it with today, I want to give you one more discussion question. It's a discussion question that we uh, came up with um, at our think tank meeting. We have the leaders to like get through the topics of the discussion. I asked this question, like, how do we make this lesson for today? It's like, it's one thing to just look back at the early church and say, okay, that's where we came from. That's what the early church struggled with. But how can we make this, uh, the ideas that we're talking about here, relevant for today? And uh, the Samuels were there, and the Morgans were there, and the Smiths, and the Higgins, and the uh, Sean, and George, and Larry, wherever you guys are. We were all there. We, we said this question. So it's kind of a weird, long question, but I hope you get the intent uh, of what we were trying to, to come up with. Uh, would be that. So, think of a personal issue that you are against. So, as an example, maybe um, we're against murder. Anyone against murder? That's most of us raised their hands. Great. So we're against murder. Um, so, considering considering murder, the issue of murder. But what big picture idea are we actually for? So, this should be a simple example. It's like, of course, we're against murder. As Christians, we're against it. We don't believe in murdering people. Um, but what's the big picture idea that we're really for? Well, we're really for this idea that life is precious, that we, as human beings, have the image of God. That's like maybe the bigger idea that we're for. Another example would be we're against stealing stuff. Anybody against stealing stuff? That might happen to you, Great. So if you're against stealing something, What's the bigger issue that you're actually for? So you're probably actually for working hard and saving up and getting your own things and not selfishly taking from someone else. That's the big idea that you're actually for. So in line with that, before we conclude, uh, I wanted to give you this question. And maybe it's kind of a weird question, but, but we got to talking about it in this meeting, and it was quite fun to think about. Like, oh, the, the early church had their issues that they were against. They were against... Bacon. They were against uh, not getting circumcised. But 2,000 years, 
to today, we're like, oh, those are silly issues. They were actually for holiness and righteousness. And it just worked out that they maybe were confused about how that should happen. And they had disputes about how that should happen. But they were all for holiness and obeying God. So what are issues for today? And maybe at your tables this might look and be important. We're okay with that. Um, but what are personal issues? Maybe issues that you personally have that you're against. But considering that there's actually bigger ideas that you're for, would you discuss that at your tables? Ready? Consent? Yeah. I mean, okay, let's say, like, you're walking around. Like, you're so yeah, I guess you can. And she's like, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I really feel like first church would be like dropping. Yeah, probably actually. Like first church was like sneaky. Trying to figure out cream would probably be on the set too. Cream? Oh. Uh, is... Oh no. Only if they don't have it though. Yeah, it's like we're all drinking our coffee like men's day. <laughs> Black strong and where are you going school? Everything running smoothly so far, sir? Everything running smoothly up there? Yeah, bro. Well done. Thank you. Uh, we out of coffee? No. Where did all the cream go today? Everybody keeps asking me about that, like I know. I guess we ran out. Oh my. That could be a problem. Wow, we totally ran out. It's like they're all in there. Oh. Wow. We just came out.
opened up themselves to Gentiles, and we'll look at that, opened up themselves to just the whole Roman Empire, you know, and Christian, we'll talk about that next month, um, but they found things that they were against and turned it towards positives and said, we as a church need to be holy and righteous, and um, so in conclusion, trying to wrap up a couple different things that we've unraveled here today in talking about the early church, who they were, and, and how they came to today. Um, I consider like Jesus' death on the cross and, and the things Jesus was for. Jesus was for freedom, forgiveness. He died to forgive us of our sin. I have a, a the, the last picture I'll show up here is a painting in the 1400s. Uh, it's the body of Jesus, uh, the dead Christ, is what this painting is called by uh, Andre Montega. Um, and it's a painting that it puts you right into the perspective of, like, the perspective is from someone who's kneeling at Jesus' feet. Like, if you're there considering the, the God who came to this world and died for our sins. That to me is like the main thing. It's like, yes, Jesus died for our sins, and there's forgiveness and love that is way more important than the style and, and things that we're against and, and being judgmental. And Jesus said, remove the plank from your own eye before going out and trying to fix other people's, you know, the planks in their eye. Jesus um, invited sinners and ate with them and loved them. And, and the main thing is this main thing, the death of Christ, the main thing, this forgiveness, this freedom that should come with, with accepting Christ. And so um, maybe this message is for no one but myself and just considering like how other Christians live and how other the style of other Christians, whether it's this type of style or that type of style, let's let's worship the one God who came to this earth to die for our sins. Um, and with that, have this freedom to go out and proclaim the good news and the things that we are for as Christians. It's not wrap ourselves up like the early church did. Let's learn from their mistakes. You know, they struggled with the unclean Gentiles. Let's not struggle like that. Let's, let's go beyond that, which I think is just a reminder of the things that we are for as we go into the future. So, as we conclude, uh, just a few minutes early, let's 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 stop and let's pause. Let's pray to God. Let's worship Him. So, Father, through your 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 Son, forgiveness that came, and Holy Spirit, as You empower us to go out, and we worship You, we praise You that You are the same God who spoke to the early church and helped the early church learn lessons that we can now learn by by looking at their history. So, God, as we go out, would You empower us, encourage us? To, to live lives that are, that are for the things that you are for, Lord. Righteousness and holiness, the prescriptions to, to be, become like you are, become holy, to become righteous. Lord, we pray that. We ask that for us, our, for our generation. We love you and we worship you.